morning, and welcome to all those joining us online. I'm Pastor Zach. I don't know that I introduced myself earlier. Shelly and I are the lead pastors of this great group of people called Connection Point Church. We're grateful that you're here. No better place to be on a Sunday morning than to be able to worship and experience a bit of heaven here in this place. Um, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that. Uh, Well, I do enjoy reading. In fact, people give me a hard time about that at this point. Um, I'm all right with that. But you know, better than a book, when you have the opportunity to meet someone who embodies that book, you can actually learn a lot more. Anybody had that experience? You know, there's something about a book, but there's something even greater about sometimes meeting the person behind the book or, or better understanding the, the teacher professor. So, I, you know, as I walked through college and, and seminary and I did all the required reading, but so often I learned so much more in the classroom as I got to experience the teachers behind some of these teachings. Uh, my seminary advisor was a great example of that. I got to learn a lot about expository preaching because he was a great expository preacher. Uh, the guy that I worked with in Israel was a great mentor. And I learned a lot about the teachings of Jesus because he himself embodied and had been living out the teachings of Jesus for a lot of years. There's just something about great teachers and following them and what you can learn. When I mention that, is there anybody that comes to mind for you? Anybody that would, you would say, man, this has been a great teacher. This person's face comes to mind. Maybe you have that individual. You know, as, as we look at Scripture, what we find in the passage we're going to dive into this morning is one of the reasons God sent Jesus is so that we could have a great example of who he was, the incarnation of God, so we could understand that, but of course, also so that we could have relationship with him. And what we're going to find as we continue in our series on Luke today and continue specifically on the king's speech where Jesus is laying out what it is to be a citizen of heaven, what we're going to find is to be a blessed citizen of heaven, you must follow Jesus, the good teacher. To be a blessed citizen of heaven, you must follow Jesus, the good teacher. So if you have your Bibles with you today, and I hope you do, We want you to have a Bible. If you don't have one, they're in the seat below you. You can take it with you as a gift from the church. Um, But we're going to be in Luke chapter 6. We're going to continue in our series on Luke, Jesus Ignited. We're going to look at verses 37 to 45. So Luke chapter 6, verses 37 to 45. I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word today. We simply have reverence for the fact that God gave his word to us. Uh, We don't worship the word, but we're thankful. God, thanks for giving us your word. And so we stand. Um, so as we look at the passage of scripture we're going to examine today, uh, we did capture this passage. What I wanted to do, you know, because we break these passages up from week to week, and sometimes we lose sight of the fact that this was all shared in one setting, in one teaching as recorded in the Gospel of Luke. So we've got this passage filmed on site in Israel where Jesus was sharing these words, that he was sitting at a pinnacle of this great natural amphitheater where there was thousands on a hillside listening to the teachings of Jesus. So feel free to follow in your Bible, follow along on the screen uh, that you can see where Jesus was teaching these things from on site in Israel. So behind me is the hillside where Jesus shares his speech, the king's speech. Reading in verse 37 from Luke chapter 6, reading through verse 45. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. He also told him a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? 
Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good, and the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart does the mouth speak. So what we find from this passage is that to live as a blessed citizen of heaven, you must follow Jesus by forgiving others. To live as a blessed citizen of heaven, you must follow Jesus by forgiving others. Here's what he writes. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. This is the teaching of Jesus. We saw last week, you know, as we look at the Bible today, the challenge is sometimes, you know, we've got chapter headings and sections, and none of that existed in the original manuscript. So sometimes we divorce statements one from another in the Bible, and we shouldn't do that. So the last verse from last week was, be merciful as God is merciful. And then he says, and how do you do that? You don't condemn people. You don't judge them. You forgive them. And you give generously. So how do we show mercy as God shows mercy? Don't judge, don't condemn, forgive, and give. That's the definition we have. Citizens of heaven are to behave in certain ways toward others, and God will behave in seemingly symmetrical ways to kingdom citizens. So in short, the measure we use toward others is the measure God will use toward us. Say that again. The measure we use toward others is the measure God will use toward us. That should cause some reflection. The picture we have here of the good measure, pressed down, it draws on what would happen in the first century marketplace. So if you're going to the market, you've got a container, and so somebody pours in the grain, well, you shake it, you press it down, you make them pour it over again, and it's pouring over into, it's actually talking about like an apron you've got on. So that's the picture we have of how God handles us, which when you look at that picture, that's both great and, oh, I don't know, because it all depends on how we are treating others in the way that we are treated in return. I mean, if you judge, you'll be judged much. If you're condemning, you will be condemned much. If you are forgiving, praise God, you'll be forgiven much. And if you're giving, you will be given much. This is the picture we have in these verses. A lot of people know John 3, 16. That's, that's a common verse for people. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but be given eternal life. But a lot of people don't continue into verse 17. Here's what verse 17 says. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus didn't come to condemn. 
he came to save. So if we're following the model that we have, we have come to save. We're a part of that same story. So our job is not one of condemnation, but of forgiveness and of giving generously. I will say that the Holy Spirit, he is the one who brings conviction. He's the one at work in people's hearts. Man, let's let him do the job. I can tell you as a pastor, I'm always glad that the Holy Spirit does a heavy lifting. I don't want that responsibility. I don't know why we take that responsibility on. According to these verses in Luke, our job is to be forgiving and giving, and God's going to take care of the mess of people's lives. Thank God. I, I really, I want you to know what a relief to that is to me as a pastor. That's where he says, you know, put your yoke on to me, you know, and I do. Jesus, I'm yoking to you today. You do the heavy lifting. That's how that works. Jesus continues from our passage this morning. Here's what he says. He says, why do you see the speck that's in your own brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that's in your own eye? How do you, can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that's in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that's in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that's in your brother's eye. It's an interesting passage to look at as it relates to condemning, judging, forgiving, and giving. This is the context. So why concern yourself with the splinter? This is, this is really the best translation. Why concern yourself with the splinter when you've got a beam in the front of your face. That's what it's saying. And do you want to know what that really is? Jesus is saying, why do we concern ourselves with ethical minutia when you're still not hitting the majors, when you're still not obeying the very basic commands that I've given you? Why do you concern yourself with how somebody dresses, how they're still haven't cleaned up their language, when you still aren't loving me very well, you're not loving your neighbors very well, and you're still not making disciples of others? That's the beam. Why do we focus on the splinter? I'll tell you why, because the enemy would love for us to be distracted in a thousand different ways. Just notch that up to one of the million. Because we can focus on sometimes what we don't need to focus on when we should be focusing on the majors. So let's not focus on the minors, let's focus on the majors. If we get loving God, loving our neighbor and making disciples right, everything else works itself out. Always does. So how do we apply this? Can I say, and I've actually been in conversation with the staff about this, So often in the church, we've held to the understanding somebody needs to clean up their life before they come into the church. Now, we sometimes don't verbalize that, but that's kind of what comes out. But can I tell you, somebody needs to find a place of belonging oftentimes before they're going to believe. They need to belong to the body, and then God begins to work things in their life, and they come a place to a believing in him. We're in Luke chapter 6. Jesus has told the disciples, come follow me. They're walking with Jesus for a long time. Have they professed him as a son of God yet? Luke chapter 9. They walk with Jesus for a long time. They find a place of belonging, and then they finally come to a place of really believing in who he is. So my challenge to you today is as people continue to come into this place, because they do every Sunday. I know there's guests in this place today. I've already met some. As people walk into this place, let's understand God is going to help clean up their lives. We don't focus on behavior. We focus on Jesus' followership. May they belong And understanding that that helps lead to a place of believing in him. To live as a citizen of heaven, you must follow Jesus by forgiving others. And to live as a blessed citizen of heaven, you must follow Jesus by displaying his character. To live as a blessed citizen of heaven, you must follow Jesus by displaying his character. Here's what we have. For no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit... 
For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. Following Jesus, it it requires total transformation. You are meant to look good, but to be good from the inside out, not the other way around. We're not just good from the outside in. Jesus does something from the inside out. So the crowd has come to hear what Jesus has to say. And he begins to walk through what it looks like to follow him to be a citizen in his kingdom. He said, look, citizens are poor in spirit. They understand they need help. Citizens mourn over sin. They, they turn from evil and they, they declare that they're not going to go back to it. Hey, how about the cross before me, the world behind me? That's what that is. I, somebody came up as we were singing this morning and said, I believe there's many here that today have struggled with the cross before me because they look at the pain of the cross but they don't look at the victory of the cross. May you understand the victory of the cross. If you're looking for joy and peace, it comes through the cross. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. That's what the person who mourns does. They mourn over the evil nature of their own hearts. Not only that, but people are citizens. They're hungry and thirst for more of God. They're merciful. They see needs and they meet needs. They're pure of heart. They're, they're bent on good intentions. They're peacemakers. They live in the midst of conflict and they work to bring peace. And then they're persecuted because of the way they follow God, the way they love God, and the way they love others. Jesus then turns his attention now to what people do as they follow him. So he says, this is what my citizens look like. As you abide in me, this is what you're going to look like. Now this is what I'm going to tell you you do. You love your enemies. You bless them. You pray for them. You turn the other cheek. And when people are offended by what you have to say about me, you continue to speak Jesus. He says, citizens of heaven, they forgive others, and they speak life. So this crowd, they came out eager to hear what Jesus had to say. But now he's saying, hearing is not enough. This crowd came out eager to hear it, but now he's saying, you have to start putting these things in practice if you're going to live the kingdom way. And that sounds an awful lot like what James, his brother, James, the brother of Jesus, he wrote. Here's what James said. Obviously, he was listening to Jesus, and eventually he caught on and he wrote about it. He says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and then you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. We had a women's conference here this weekend. They talked about the freedom we have in Christ. May we live in that freedom. He says, if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. God will bless you for doing it. As we've been walking through what it looks like to be a citizen in God's kingdom, and I've talked about how to be a blessed citizen, we've got to follow Jesus, the good teacher. That's where we're at today. I don't know about you, but I feel like the world loves to inundate us with messages of what a blessed life looks like over and over says, you've got to have this, you've got to have this kind of a job, you've got to have this kind of retirement plan. That's what a blessed life looks like. Well, Jesus, what does he say? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed, blessed, blessed. He goes through this long list. And I don't know about you, but you've got to come around to the place and following Jesus where you say, you know what? I want the blessed life as described by the Son of God. I don't want a blessed life that my culture would preach at me. We want this kind of a blessed life, not one that culture would dictate. To live any other way is to follow other teachers, none of which are worthy of following. I mean, here's what Jesus says. He says, as you follow other teachers, it's like the blind leading the blind, which leads to what? 
you falling into pits. If you're not following the right teacher, you fall into pits. Anybody falling into a metaphorical pit? Be honest. How many have fallen into multiple pits? Maybe you just haven't lived enough life, you know? Absolutely. I am sure, I am convinced you're probably in a room of pit dwellers. Whether you've been there, you're headed there, or you're there right now, I don't know. That's just the way it is. Why? Because we don't always follow the good teacher. It says, narrow is the road. That's the road that the good teacher leads us on. I was a junior in high school, and I was looking at college. I knew, obviously, I wanted to go to college. <clears throat> I also knew, A, I had no money. B, my parents had no money. I need to figure out a way to pay for college. So I started exploring options, and, and my counselor was talking with me. I had good grades, so that was in my favor. Uh, and so I began to look at, uh, my dad had served in the Air Force during the Vietnam era. thought maybe the military might be a way to help pay for education. So I started looking into that, and so I applied to the Air Force Academy, was nominated by my senator and congressman to go, and wound up taking a, uh, what's called an ROTC scholarship to go to a state university outside of Chicago instead. And so I took that and thought, well, this is the way I'm going to pay for college. And so I went, I was there, and I was going to church, and I was living a good moral life, and I started going through the, the devotional experiencing God. Okay, don't go through the devotional experiencing God unless you're ready to experience God. I'll tell you that right now. Because I'm going through that devotional, and God starts to just convict me to say, man, you've, you sure made an awesome plan for your life. Ever thought of consulting me about that? I don't know, maybe God's not sarcastic with you. He is with me sometimes. <laughs> I really was convicted, though, and I said, God, I'm sorry. You know, and so I just began to pray and, and work through this devotional, and it's, it takes several months to go through. And, and I just said, began to ask God, God, what is it you want of my life? And so I just began to ask that question, and I can still, I mean, it's like a time portal. I can see it like it was yesterday. I can see the patch of, of sidewalk I was sitting on at Northern Illinois University. I'm doing a leg stretch because I had just gone running for a couple of miles. That's usually where my mind is most clear. I've found, oftentimes, my mind gets too busy. Running is a great way to clear my head. And so I'm sitting there, I'm stretching, and God says, lead my church. And I just, okay, um, all right, okay. So then I began to talk through that. I talked with my dad a little bit about that, and um, but I wasn't real honest with my dad, I'll be honest. Uh, I, I struggled with the idea of leading the church, so I thought, well, <clears throat> I'll at least transfer to a Bible college and I'll become a teacher. Is that what God said? Oh. We are thick-headed creatures, folks. And if you're not sure you are, feel free to ask your spouse. They'll be honest. If you're not married, ask an honest friend. You know, the friend that when you walk out of the closet says, you're you really going to wear that? You're just messing with me. You know? <laughs> That's the kind of friends you need in your life, by the way. But you need to ask that question. We're thick-headed creatures. But I did. I transferred down to a Bible college, and I had good intentions. I went and enrolled in an education program. I became a high school math teacher. But the problem is, that's not what God asked. But thanks be to God, he works with us pit dwellers. And so I want to encourage you this morning, maybe you're in a pit right now, or maybe you've been in a pit, and you might look back on that and feel like, and, and have some regret. But I want you to know God can use you in the pit that you have dwelled in. Nothing is wasted in the kingdom of God. Um, Shelly and I have experienced that, so don't worry. But what I would say is, you're not meant to live in the pit. So may you get out of it today. So if God has spoken something to your heart, may you chase after that. You know, why do we not following Jesus as a process? And that's really what I learned. I was trying to follow Jesus. I was taking steps that direction. But it took me a while to really put all of my faith and hope and trust to say, God, you know what? You can figure out how to pay for college. I don't need to figure that out. And that's why I chose education. I thought, well, I know education, I get a paycheck. Being a pastor... <laughs> maybe not. 
So that's why I chose that direction. I'm still trying to find my own way. So what I would challenge you with is understand if God is leading you a direction, he's going to put things in place. He's going to take care of those details. We don't have to work everything out. God works it out. Follow God and he'll take care of the details. And if you're in a pit, get out of it. We're not called to be pit dwellers. We're called to live free in Christ. When Jesus is talking about following a trustworthy teacher, here's what he says. Everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Fully trained. That's an awesome phrase. Because how many of us, we make a decision to follow Christ, and it's like, "Woo, I'm in. I got my fire insurance card. I ain't going to hell. That's not what following Jesus is about. He says he wants you to be fully trained so that you look like the teacher. And so the question is, do you even desire to be fully trained? Will you complete your training as a citizen of heaven? Will you accept the reversal of values that Jesus declares in his list of kingdom qualities? He puts things on their head. It's an upside-down kingdom in the kingdom of God. Will you hear and internalize his unconventional worldview? And we're going to keep walking through these teachings of Jesus. Man, he says some pretty crazy stuff. I mean, it's like mic drop, boom. And he like leaves the scene. And the disciples are like, Jesus, what you, what you mean by that? We're going to keep going through these teachings, and this is what we're going to find. And as we do, I would challenge you, let's start examining our lives and where it's not in alignment with being a citizen of heaven. Let's get that straightened out. Let's follow Jesus with everything that we are. How do we follow Jesus as a good teacher? You spend time reading his word. You spend time in prayer. You spend time in church. Why? Because we need godly peer pressure in our lives. I need my brothers and sisters to help me stay on the straight and narrow path following the good teacher. That's what we're for. If you're not sure how to pray, we've got these prayer guides in the seat backs. They're for you. They're not meant for the, the pews. Take it home with you. Start taking time to pray through things. Those pews don't need to pray. You need to pray. So take it home with you and take it and apply it to your life. Start praying through scripture. It'll change your life. For Jesus to be your good teacher, you must display his character. You must abide in him you must abide in his church, and then he's going to abide in you, and you start li- to live out his character. To live as a citizen of heaven, you must follow Jesus by displaying his character. And lastly, this morning, to live as a blessed citizen of heaven, you must follow Jesus by doing good. To live as a blessed citizen of heaven, you must follow Jesus by doing good. What we're going to see between uh, this Sunday and next Sunday is the word do is listed five times between verses 43 and 49 in Luke chapter 6. And it, it could tempt you to conclude that Jesus is fundamentally concerned with actions. But that's really not what Jesus is getting at. I want you to hear this. Doing is simply reflective of a person's heart. Doing is reflective of a person's heart. Jesus' closing remarks, he contrasts between two different kinds of hearts. Here's what he says. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Jesus is giving description of two different kinds of hearts. And if you have a good heart, simply you're going to do good. And if you don't, you won't. That's what Jesus is saying. I mean, since God, if you're a follower of Jesus, if, if he's forgiven you, why wouldn't we forgive others? If he's given to you, why wouldn't we give to others? To do anything different is to live as a hypocrite. 
To have received something that isn't given out from you is to not live like God. Our relationship with God, it shows up in the way that we act, in the way we interact with others, in the way that we handle our resources. All of those things, you know, we like to live compartmentalized lives, right? Like one part, you know, this part lives for God, this part, it's still working itself out. We can't do that. We're holistic beings, and if we really want to live in Jesus, it's got to affect every part, our relationships with others, our handling of our resources, everything's affected by the way we follow God. I mean, if you're a person that doesn't respect others, but you're committed to having everything else in this life, what's that going to lead to? It's going to lead to you stealing things. Why? Because your character determines your action. So this is what Jesus is saying. He's basically saying is character and action, they're inseparable for him. This is what Jesus is teaching. He's concerned with the nature of a person. He's concerned with their heart. Jesus is concerned with your heart. And your interactions with others will prove what's in your heart. If you engage in good works, if you speak life, it's evidence that you're abiding in Jesus. And if you don't, then you're probably not abiding in Jesus. And and I will say this, that there's this belief in culture that you can make yourself a better person. And that's what the whole self-help section in Barnes & Noble is all about. I had to choose Barnes & Noble because there's like no other bookstores anymore. Have you noticed that? We still have a Barnes & Noble here, right? Okay. I was trying to choose one. I knew it still existed. (laughs) But we have that self-help section, and we know it because we have this belief that we can uh, be better people. We're looking for behavior modification when what we need is regeneration. You don't need to become a better person. You need to become a different person. I want to say that again. You don't need to become a better person. You need to become a new person. You see, there's this deeply held cultural myth that we're all good people and we sometimes do bad things. You watch the news. Like, you've got this terrible person that does this terrible thing, and what's the interviewer do? Let's go interview his neighbor. The neighbor says, he was such a nice person. He pet my dog. He watered my flowers. I'm sorry, he was not a nice person. He shot somebody. He's evil. But that, we hold to that. Like, we're good people that just sometimes do bad things. Wrong. We're bad people that do bad things. But only God can make us new in him so we can do good things. He gives us new hearts. Here's what the psalmist writes. If you've never reflected on this psalm, it's not one that Pastor Mark's probably going to choose on a Sunday morning to rehearse. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. We were conceived in sin. Every cell of our being has been affected by evil. That's why we have cancer. Because everything in our life is affected. But praise God, we know the one who can bring regeneration. So that's the whole point of Christianity. When Jesus is talking about good trees and bad trees, what he's talking about is uprooting one tree, saying, this is worthless. This is a bad tree. The roots are bad. The fruit is bad. Bad tree. We need to discard it, and I would need a new tree that's planted in Jesus. That's what God wants to do with your life. We need to become a new tree with new roots that display good fruit. This is what this verse is all about. I mean, some of you would come to church and say, give me steps to become a better person. Do these four things and avoid these three things. You know, give me a list of 27 steps of ways to become better. But God wants far more than change behavior. He wants new people. God doesn't want you to do better. He doesn't want you to try harder. He wants you to be uprooted, replanted, born again, regenerated, given a new heart. Because out of good, transformed hearts come good things. This is where Christianity is different from every other religion. Uh, Some people would comment, Christianity teaches some of the same values as other religions. And that's partially true. I'm not saying that that's not true. 
you know, maybe some similar values, but, but Christianity says God changes us at the deepest level and he gives us the Holy Spirit so that he can live through us. It's not from the outside in, it's from the inside out. God doesn't just tell us what to do, he lives a life through us as we come to faith in Jesus. So you could come to me and say, give me steps to become a better person. My life's out of order. I don't know how to get my life back together. And the answer is, follow Jesus. Follow the good teacher, who's the only one that can give you a new heart and a new life. If you're here trying to figure out how to get your life together, let's not worry about behavior just yet. Let's get you connected to Jesus. He'll change you from the inside out instead of trying to make your behavior adjustments from the outside in. Give your life to Jesus. He died for it. He rose for it. Receive from him a new heart and a new life so that you can be a good tree that produces good fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, this is what we have. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are the things that come out of a good heart. If you're struggling in some of those areas, maybe we need to close today and you ask Jesus, I need a new heart. I need to exhibit the the fruit-like qualities that you can only display through my life. To live as a blessed citizen of heaven, you must follow Jesus, the good teacher. You know, what could your life look like if you were given a new heart? How could your daily interactions be different if you followed the good teacher by forgiving others, by choosing not to condemn or to judge, but instead choosing to speak life and blessing? You won't know until you make the decision to follow Jesus and make him everything, that you follow him with your heart, your soul, and your strength. Everything that's within you, you follow Jesus. You hold nothing back. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. And as you're standing, I do want to ask, maybe you're here today, and you realize you've not been living with a good heart. Why? What's the test? Your interactions with others would display that my heart's just not right in the right place. But you'd say, you know what? But I don't want to stay that way. I don't want to to maintain the heart that I have. I want a new heart. And if that's you today, what that looks like is you say, I want to follow you, Jesus, understanding that you give me a new heart. I want to be planted as a new tree so that I can live a new life in you. So with every head bowed here this morning, I just want to ask before we go, if you're here and you'd say, that's me, that describes my heart, that, that I've not been living out those qualities of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, but you'd say, I want a new heart today. I want to follow Jesus. Simply raise your hand. I want to pray with you before we go today. Anybody that's here that would say, I need a new heart today. I want a new life. Over here in the middle, anybody else? Anybody else that say, I want to follow you, Jesus? Anybody else in the look over here on the right? Anybody else that would say, I need a new heart today? Anyone else? I want to follow you, Jesus. I know I can't do it on my own. I can't fix my life. I need a new life. Pastor Mark, if you don't mind to come to the front here. I just want to pray with you before we go. Jesus, I just pray for those that raised their hand and maybe for those that didn't, but would say, by assessment, I know I need a new heart. I know I need a new life, but I'm just fearful of what that looks like. But God, I just pray you give them strength today to say, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want the new life that only you can bring. Work in me from the inside out today. God, I pray for strength for people to live for you with full hearts and minds, holding nothing back. Jesus, we just want victory in people's lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
you raised your hand today, I know we had a couple of people in the room, and maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you'd say, I really want to know what that looks like to follow Jesus. All we want to do is connect you with Pastor Mark so we can get you a New Believer's Bible. Shelly talked about those. Because it's not just making a, I just want to follow Jesus, but man, what does that look like? It's following Jesus for a lifetime. It's a journey in Him. So if that's you today, I just would invite you to come down as we close in song, meet with Pastor Mark. And if we could get a couple of people from the prayer team to come as well so that they could be prayed with. Can we just uh, congratulate those making that decision this morning? Anybody else today, feel free to come. But as we close in song, may we celebrate our life in Jesus this morning.